Welcome to The Skin Reel, your guide to all things skincare, skin health, beauty, and more, curated by dermatologists and true skin experts. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Alice Mina. I'm a double board certified dermatologist and dermatologic surgeon with over a decade of clinical experience. If you're looking for real, practical, unhyped skincare guidance and expertise, or you just think the skin is really cool, then you're in the right spot. I'm so glad you've tuned in to The Skin Reel. Now let's dive in because this is how dermatologists talk skin. Hi everyone, quick disclaimer here before we start. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. If you're looking for help on your skin journey, please check out the American Academy of Dermatology's website, aad.org, where you can search their database for dermatologists near you. It is so important that you have someone in your corner who's well-trained, licensed, and board-certified who can help you make decisions when it comes to your skin health. Okay, got it? Great. Now for the fun stuff. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me on this week's episode of The Skin Reel. This week, I am going to be discussing all things Mohs surgery, what it is, when we use it, and what a typical day is like if you have to have Mohs surgery. Joining me this week is my good friend and business partner, Dr. Mark Bauckham, who is a well-renowned Mohs surgeon, not only here in Atlanta and Georgia, but really throughout the nation, where he is also an avid educator teaching residents and fellows, as well as lecturing on dermatologic surgery locally and nationally. Dr. Bauckham is originally from Alabama. However, he came to Emory University for his undergraduate studies, followed by medical school and dermatology residency before traveling to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to work with the well-renowned Mohs surgeon, Dr. John Zatelli, for his Mohs surgery fellowship. He then returned to Atlanta in 1995, where he opened up his own Mohs surgery practice, where he has been providing exceptional surgical care for patients with dermatologic conditions for nearly 30 years. I'm so excited to have Dr. Bauckham, join me today to discuss all things Mohs surgery. Let's get started. Dr. Bauckham, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. Well, so I introduced you to the listeners before we started, but if you can just give us a little bit of uh, background about yourself in your own words. All right. Well, I'm a, a double board certified um, dermatologist and a, a micrographic dermatologic surgeon which is our Mohs Surgery Board certification. We specialize in dermatologic surgery procedures, primarily the removal of skin cancers, but we also do uh, cosmetic surgery as well. We're practicing here in Atlanta, Georgia, and you've been practicing here for how many years? Oh gosh, 27 years. I actually met you when I was doing my fellowship here at Emory and joined you right after that. And it's been a lot of fun. I've learned a lot and I think we have a great practice. So that's all thanks to you. I have to give a shout out to Dr. Mina here because I did completely cherry pick the best fellow ever to come out of Emory's Mohs surgery program. It's been a great uh, partnership over these many years and we continue to grow our practice. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot of fun. And we both say we have the best job in the world because it is so much fun and we we really do absolutely love what we do. What exactly is Mohs Surgery? It was named after Dr. Frederick Mohs, who was a general surgeon at the University of Wisconsin. And he was kind of a big thinker and decided to like, hey, what if we actually look at all of the margins for cancer surgeries rather than just taking these big giant chunks and looking at a very small section of the margin? And so he came up with this whole process of removing and mapping out skin cancer tumors. His technique has been modified and refined over the years, but it is now the gold standard for removing skin cancer by providing a very precise, directed approach that spares tissue and gives people confidence that their skin cancer has been completely removed. The standard excision that people will frequently have is what's called a wide local excision. And there you're taking a much wider margin than is necessary because the pathologist is really only evaluating less than 1% of that whole edge. And so you do have to take bigger pieces. And with most surgery, we're looking at 100% of the margin, which is why we can take margins that are a millimeter or a few millimeters in size and get really excellent cure rates because we're looking at 100% of that margin. And not only that, it's all mapped out very, very precisely. So for example, if I'm looking at a patient's slide and they have one area between say two and four o'clock, I know exactly where that is on their face. And I can go back just there and take a little bit more. We can trace these tumors out very, very precisely and take away as little as possible and still give them a much, much higher cure rate. Right. And that that's so important on areas like the face where you have a nose or an eyelid or an ear and you really want to spare as much of the normal skin as possible while also making sure you're getting all that tumor out. Are there specific types of skin cancers that work best for most surgery? The two most common types of skin cancers are, are called keratinocyte carcinomas, and they're also known as basal cell carcinoma and squamous cell carcinoma. And together, these skin cancers, basal cells and squamous cells, outnumber all other cancers combined. They're super, super common. And most surgery can be used for other tumors as well, and we do versions of most surgery for other types of cancers like melanomas, but this technique is highly useful for most skin cancers. Can you just sort of walk us through a typical day for a patient coming into our office who is here for most surgery? What does that kind of look like? Well, we do try to see most of our patients in advance just so we can explain to them the the process and the procedure so they know what to expect when they come in. It's just local anesthetic. We take our layer. It will go get processed into microscope slides in the lab while they're waiting in the waiting room. That processing time is about an hour or so. They can you know, surf the internet or read a book or drink some coffee, whatever. And then once we've gotten the slide, we will evaluate it. And at that point, their day is one way or the other. If they're all clear, awesome. One and done, we'll bring them back, stitch them up, send them home. If they're not clear, we'll know exactly where to go take a little bit more, and then it'll be another tissue processing time to make a slide in the lab, and then they're waiting again. So it is a little hard or impossible, honestly, to tell them how long to expect to be there because every patient is different and every tumor is different. But it it does offer us, in the vast majority of cases, sort of one-stop shopping. 
They come in, they get the Mohs surgery, they get clear, we bring them back in and fix whatever that we need to do and then send them home. For some patients can be a fairly short day, you know, maybe an hour, hour and a half, but it also could be several hours depending on the type of cancer, sort of how aggressive it is. But at the end of the day, everyone leaving our office knows that their skin cancer has been removed their margins are clear. And I think that gives patients a lot of relief to know it's all out. Yes, I agree. Studies have consistently shown that the number one concern for patients is knowing that their cancer is gone and been effectively treated. And that's what most surgery does. And it does it far better than any other treatment modality out there. A lot of times patients hear surgery and they hear cancer and they get really nervous, rightfully so, if it's on your nose or a very visible part of your body, you're wondering, am I going to look disfigured? But with Mohs surgery and this technique, especially how it's been refined over the last several decades, really you can have a very inconspicuous scar at the end of surgery. And your most surgeon is skilled at learning how to to hide that scar and do a closure that really is cosmetic surgery. That's something that a lot of people may not be aware of. We get questions every week, should I go to a plastic surgeon? And I say, well, honestly, I do more reconstructions than your typical plastic surgeon by many factors of 10. And Our goal is twofold. Number one, get rid of your tumor. Number two, do whatever we need to do to make that final result as inconspicuous as possible. And I will literally tell people, I'm going to do to you what I would want done to me. Yeah. And that's the the nice thing about Mohs surgery is kind of one-stop shop. The Mohs surgeon will remove the cancer. The Mohs surgeon is also the pathologist who is looking at the tumor under the microscope. And then the same Mohs surgeon is the one doing the reconstructive surgery. And we have done thousands of cases throughout our lifetime, um, tens of thousands for, for many people. These are just things that we do day in and day out versus a plastic surgeon will be focusing on other types of surgical procedures and maybe has not done nearly as many bilobe flaps on the nose as your Mohs surgeon who does several a day even. We are the skin cancer reconstruction experts because this is what we do. We have to figure on, we have to think on our feet and we don't get to always plan where that cancer has grown or how big it is or how deep it is or whatever's going on. And we have to say, okay, what am I going to do in this situation? And then execute it immediately. It's a great challenge, but it's also the kind of the fun part of the, the practice. Yeah, absolutely. Even though most surgery is the majority or, or significant percentage of what we do, you could have four basal cells on the nose and each one is really different. Not only their pathology, looking at it under the microscope, but also what sort of closure uh, we may do and the type of skin texture that someone has. So even though it may seem like it's the same procedure over and over again, each patient is really unique and different. I agree that makes it fun. And we really do have to think on our feet because we don't get to pick where this tumor grows. You know, if you've got a spot in the middle of the cheek, you're kind of limited on on how you can do it. So it really is a challenge and it's actually a lot of fun. People who have come in with a cancer, we get to say, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is the gold standard. We're going to fix this. And we can make that happen. And that is so gratifying. It is unbelievable. I go home every day feeling that I actually made a difference. 
sometimes I joke when our patients come back for follow-up that they have been so nervous in the beginning and they really don't know what to expect. They're scared and they're nervous. And when they come back at their their follow-up, a lot of times they'll say, you know what, that wasn't so bad or, you know, not as bad as I thought it would be. And I take that as a compliment. Absolutely. And in fact, that's when they start asking about, hey, can you do something about my eyelids or whatever, which is kind of funny. You know, they go from being terrified of any sort of uh, procedure to saying, hey, that was great. What can we do now? We get some patients certainly who are nervous about not being put to sleep for the procedure. So what do you tell those patients? Well, I tell them, number one, I'm married to an anesthesiologist. So I know a whole lot more about anesthesia than the average dermatologist. When you need anesthesia for a big heart surgery, obviously you need it, but that can be the biggest risk factor for many procedures out there. It's 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 not just getting through the surgery, it's, it's making it through the anesthesia. By being able to offer these skin cancer and reconstructive procedures under local anesthetic, and we do a really good job, I will tell you, our patients are blown away by like, I can't believe that didn't hurt. That's because we're going to treat you the way we'd want to be treated. But the anesthetic risk is minimized because we're doing local anesthetic. We can give people anxiolytics like the typically known Valium to help them relax. They're not stressed about it. And that really does help them sometimes cope, especially if if it's been their first procedure ever. When the patients here in our office, laughter, our staff will bring them a warm blanket or some snacks. And then we do a lot of talk anesthesia where our patients are awake. So we can actually talk with them if they want to tell us about a recent trip they've been on or, or their grandkids. And I think that brings a sense of ease to the patients and helps them uh, relax while they're here. Oh, absolutely. I think they read the, the environment very well. Our uh, staff are fantastic. I will give a shout out. We have the best staff in the world and they are skilled not only at what they do, but just skilled at being compassionate and being just there for the patients. You know, even simple things like playing music in the background and just kind of creating an environment where it's not a high tension, high stress environment. In fact, I tell my patients, the worst part of your day is that you're going to be bored in the waiting room. So bring something to do or to read because you'll find that part boring. That's right. Yeah, I think that's almost the worst part, right? And it it certainly takes up the most amount of time, which I think surprises people too. You know, the part where we're actually cutting and sewing and and stitching is actually fairly quick, especially if it's a, a pretty straightforward closure. What, you know, most of their day is spent actually in our waiting room. I can't even tell you the number of times where I've gone into a room and taken a Mohs layer, I've inked it, mapped it, and I'm walking out the door and the patient is like literally unaware that I've already done it. They're like, where, where are you going? It's like, I've got your layer. I'm taking it to the lab. They're like, what, you're done? It's kind of funny, but it happens over and over and over because they just didn't, they expected it to hurt or I don't know what they expected, but the concept of what's going to happen sometimes is, is a little bit humorous because we are, and in particular, our staff really help us make this uh, a very uh, seamless operation. One of the things I really like about um, our procedure is that we're doing these surgeries under local, and we really get to know our patients and just make great connections. And it's not about being nosy. It's just about saying, hey, how'd you meet your wife? How did you meet your husband? Or what was your first job or your first car? You know, And we hear these incredible 
stories and anecdotes that really enrich our lives as well as create some distraction for the patients. Right. And since skin cancer is so prevalent and and so common, unfortunately for the patients, we usually are seeing them back uh, more than once. And it really is nice to get to know them and, and remember them and have that connection with them because they are more than just, you know, patient number four coming in with the basal cell on the forehead. Absolutely. Can you share with us three tips you would give that could put our patients and listeners at ease if they get a diagnosis of a skin cancer and they have to go and see a Mohs surgeon? Well, okay. Number one, I think do a little bit of research and make sure that your Mohs surgeon has been fellowship trained, is now board certified, and then go and meet them for a preoperative consultation so that you can be sure that you have, there's a comfort level of understanding what's going to happen and and how the whole day is going to go. You want to find somebody who does Mohs surgery and reconstruction as their primary focus. I think that is a, a thing that really helps you go to a practice that is streamlined and well-tuned in, in doing these processes. And they're not going to go, oh my goodness, this is a lot harder and I don't know what to do with this. And you're going to find somebody to fix this. Like That's in a very unfortunate situation you never want to be in. I think those are probably the two most important things to do in advance. And then other things would be just simple, like we can sometimes keep our rooms a little cool because we're running around seeing a bunch of patients. Bring some, wear something comfortable and bring something to read. We have snacks. Not everybody has snacks. Just kind of common sense, little tips. I also tell my patients to kind of clear their calendar for the day so that they're not stressing out having a meeting at three o'clock, pick up their kids from carpool, you know, sort of clear your day so that even if you're done early, you can go home, you can take it easy, maybe take a nap because we usually start early. Plan on having a few days of downtime. We certainly don't want you doing intense exercise and working out for about a week, even for the first 24, 48 hours. You know, you may not want to be hosting that dinner party the next night when you're having your your first Mohs surgery ever. Remember that this is surgery. It is more involved than the biopsy that you had with your general dermatologist. This is actual surgery. And especially if it's your first time, not to over plan and give yourself a few days to see how, how you're going to do and how you're going to feel afterwards. I agree. I think rust and ice for that afternoon are the best things that people can do to help their healing process. There aren't any magical scar creams or anything like that, but I think that really rest and ice and just using some common sense after surgery. And we talked to our patients about, this was a very small spot. Maybe we'll give you a couple extra days of low activity, or this was a bigger deal. You know, you were here all day. Let's have you just really take this week off. We'll tailor our kind of exit advice a little bit to what happened during the day, but rest and ice uh, that first afternoon for sure. It's so hard to predict because one person's basal cell might be a quick one and done and very minimal downtime. And, you know, another person's basal cell could be a, a very large flap cartilage graft that takes a lot longer to heal. So everyone's different. Every site is different. And I, I do think having that preoperative evaluation with your Mohs surgeon, where you can really discuss the practicalities and sort of get a good sense of what to expect from your surgery can be really helpful. Patients need to understand that healing is a process, not an event. 
people always ask, when's this going to be healed? It's like, well, that's uh, lots of answers. When are you going to stop bandaging? Typically about a week or 10 days when your stitches have dissolved. In our case, we use dissolving stitches. But when will your all your swelling be gone? I mean, that can vary dramatically from person to person based on how they respond as a, as a patient or in healing or what they had done. And so it's really difficult to predict on a, a very precise level exactly what everybody's recuperation time is going to be done. And I will definitely link the uh, website where you can go to find a board-certified fellowship-trained Mohs surgeon in your area because that is absolutely paramount. You want someone who is doing surgery on you, you want to make sure that they are well-trained in Mohs surgery and that this is something that they have a lot of practice and skill with. Well, Dr. Bakken, this has been a lot of fun. And uh, thank you so much for sharing all your great tips and, and pearls about Mohs surgery with the listeners here today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on and I'll be a guest anytime. Sounds good. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to The Skin Reel. I hope it's been informative, educational, and perhaps a little entertaining. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to like and subscribe and share with a friend. Don't want to stop your learning just yet? Head on over to theskinreel.com for show notes, blog posts, and so much more. Until next time, skin friends.